once again, it's, it's the perspective is important. Am I losing money? Yes. Am I losing an opportunity cost of not developing future website updates? Yes. Am I losing other things? Yes. Does it matter? Considering that I'm waking up in my own home that has windows, that's warm. I have food in the refrigerator. I don't have to run to the bomb shelter. My kids happily go to school every day. Does it matter that I lose some things? No, it doesn't. Because there are people of mine who are my responsibility, as far as I'm concerned, are suffering right now. They, they're misplaced. They have nothing but few belongings that they were able to, to put in a suitcase. And I'm just committed to doing whatever we got to do to get them through this and, and come out winners. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. But this is a special edition of Good Morning HR. Three weeks ago, Russia invaded its neighbor, Ukraine, a democratic country with what the U.S. State Department calls an emerging free market economy. Because of its well-educated workforce, many U.S.-based companies have turned to Ukraine for both employees and contractors. Three weeks into the Russian invasion, many of those companies are scrambling to understand what's really going on and how best to support their team members in a war zone. To help answer those questions, I'm joined today by Vladimir Gindelman. Vladimir is founder and CEO of Company Folders, Inc., a Pontiac, Michigan-based commercial printer specializing in high-quality business presentation folders. Vladimir was born in Ukraine, where his company currently has a number of employees. Thank you for joining me today, Vladimir. Thank you for having me on, Mike. So let's start with your story. Uh, You were born in Kharkiv. How did you end up in the U.S. running a a commercial printing company? Well, first I ended up in the U.S. Okay. (laughs) But but yes, you're right. I was born in Kharkiv, Ukraine. uh, And I lived there for 15 years. And then we left and we... Um, we came to Detroit uh, in 1990, in May. I tried different things, and then eventually I started a company um, where I would repair computers and do networks for people. And as I was doing that, one of my customers asked me if I can help him find a great company folder. I said, of course, how hard could it be? We're talking about 2003, internet is at full swing, go to Google, put in a few words, and your answers are there. So I do that, and turns out that options for presentation folders are extremely limited. Now, coming from Soviet Union, from communism, where everything is owned by the government, and there are no options whatsoever. We're talking about three to five different um, uh, wallpapers, few versions of furniture, uh, little variety of clothing, 
plates, pots, pans, silverware, everything you can think of. And then I came to U.S. and, and, and there's a huge variety of cheeses and sausages and clothing and houses and cars and on and on, right? Every house you go into is different and people could really express themselves. So I was in heaven. And then it turns out that I find a little hole in the U.S., a, a little market of presentation folders that doesn't have the same way for companies to express themselves because the options are limited. And that's when I thought to myself, well, they got to fix it. They have to make it better. Of course, the next question was, who is they? And the next question was, well, is it me? And that's how the company was born. We were born on the premise that we offer the largest selection of options, die cuts, print methods, papers, finishes, and on and on and on. Uh, we actually did a fun exercise where we multiplied all of the options out. And turns out that we could offer over 100 million different variations of our products. Uh, that would be all unique. Um, so anyways, that was year 2003. And because my customer asked for company folders, I, I named the company Company Folders. There it was as simple as that. And uh, at the time, uh, this is where Ukraine comes in. Um, back then, there was no social media and things like that. So therefore, uh, people communicated via discussion boards and forums. And I partook in those. And through those communities, I came across a guy who was in Ukraine. He was a web designer. So we started talking. He actually turned out to be in Kharkiv, which is my hometown. And right away, I felt like there was a connection. And I hired that guy to do our first website. He did a great job. And then it was a project. It was a project that I hired him for. Then some time went by. I needed uh, to update the website and I hired a different guy to do that. And he did that. And it was great. Um, and when we needed to do it the third time around, I decided to hire full-time people now because I realized by then that, uh, uh, you know, customer experience changes, internet changes, new things are coming out and, and this is a never ending story. So I hired my first full-time um, employee in Ukraine in 2000 nine or eight, maybe eight. Um, and that was Dennis. He's still with me. And then he brought his friend Eugene, who's right away, who's also with me. And um, yeah, and that's how the whole Ukrainian team started growing. So I just want to drive this home. Um, and my little free market entrepreneurial hearts, you know, is, is you know, Already, I'm I'm getting misty out here, but you grew up in the Soviet Union. I mean, you 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 left in Ukraine in '90, so that was post breakup of the Soviet Union, just barely before, though, right? Oh, it was before. before. Okay, it was. Before. I actually left in '89. Oh, okay, and we had to spend a couple of months in Austria, and then like another five months in Italy. So by the time I came to America, it was already May mm -hmm. okay. of 1990. Wow. Okay, so, so you've seen 
what an authoritarian government is like to live under, uh, and um, and what and the stark differences in choice and options that we have in in, in the free world, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, and now you see your uh, your friends and teammates in Ukraine facing uh, a return to you know, to to the battle days, I guess. Um, tell me about, you know, this isn't, you know, unfortunately this is the first time this is hitting a lot of Americans, uh, radar, but I mean, this ongoing, uh, crisis between Ukraine and, and Russia, I'm sure is nothing new to you. And, uh, and since 2014, there's been an active conflict. Uh, talk about that and what your, what your experience was in working with your team, Back in 2014, when the, this crisis really kind of, or maybe earlier, when this really got started to get heated, and and how that changed your business relationships there. The way I see it is, this is all about intent. Yes, you could come up with policies. I don't want to have policies around this because policies is where you create limitations. Uh, to mitigate the risk of your company and this and that. Um, My intent is to take care of my employees to the full extent of my ability or to the best extent of my ability. Um, I believe that I have a phenomenal team in Ukraine and here in Pontiac uh, who do an amazing job taking care of our customers and making the company successful. So I believe it's my job personally to make sure that all of these people are taken care of and people in Ukraine are no exception. So the way I approach it is very simple. I don't do the equal stuff where everybody gets exactly the same thing because not everybody needs exactly the same thing, but I address everybody individually based on what they need and what they want. Some people needed help moving. Some people needed to have a little bit more money for whatever they were trying to do. Maybe go buy more supplies ahead of time to be ready for things. Maybe because they were looking to get out, so they needed money for that uh, and so on and so forth. The one thing we did Well, in 2014, it was on a much smaller scale. Uh, It it so happened that the majority of our employees at the time were in Donetsk. By the way, the Danis Eugen, they they, they used to live in Donetsk, which is exactly the area that uh, Russian troops bombed back in 2014. And back then, it was pretty easy because the rest of the country was in a good shape. So I just sent them money and they were able to use the money to move to Kharkiv, Ukraine. So now that we have four people in Kharkiv, one in Nikolaev, one in Dnepropetrovsk and one in Lviv, and everything is under attack by now for the most part, uh, it obviously came a bit more difficult to help them in the sense that their options are much more limited. Fortunately, the guy who was in Lviv, 
he was able to leave the country as soon as the war started because he was very close to the Polish border. So he's in Poland. We don't have to worry about him. He's good. The guys who were in Kharkiv, um, one of them was able to leave Kharkiv earlier with somebody they knew in a car. And they went to the nearby city of Poltava. And they stayed there for a long time. So he was in a much safer environment. But the three other guys who stayed there, they were under constant bombing. They were under constant rocket attacks. They were under constant shaking of the buildings, shaking of the ground, and so on and so forth. To the point where when I talk to them on the phone, and we communicate through WhatsApp, Skype, Slack, and Facebook Messenger, I could hear bombs exploding. I could hear buildings shaking. I could hear all that nonsense that was going on there. It, it was it was scary for me, and I am here. I can't even imagine what it felt like for them. So um, finally, luckily, the, all three of them, with their families, they're all married with kids, they were able to pack and leave. Uh, and as the result, right now, one of them actually was able to leave the country because he has three kids. And I guess there is an exception for people with three kids or more because men of serving age cannot leave, but they let him out. So he's in Prague right now, Czech Republic. And the rest of the team is we have two people in Vinica. We have one guy in Ivano-Frankovsk. And then the guy who was in Dnepropetrovsk, um, I, we told him to move to his sister's place who lives about 100 kilometers west. And the guy who's in Nikolaev, he unfortunately couldn't leave because he has elder parents that can't really, I guess his father can't really walk well. So he stayed behind to help them. So when this whole thing started, um, one of the things we did is we consulted with the ex-army colonel on general strategies of what happens during the war more from the perspective of what kind of areas would be strategically important for Ukraine to protect, and at the same time, areas that would be strategically important for Russian forces to capture. And the whole idea was to make sure that our people are nowhere close to those areas. So the guy who was at Dnepropetrovsk, for example, uh, when I looked up his address on Google Maps, and luckily, we have Google Maps. Um, I was able to see that he was very close to the Dnieper River. Uh, and he was pretty much right by the bridge. There are three bridges in the city. And um, he was very, very close to the middle bridge, the one in the center. And that bridge actually um, carries railroads. So strategically, very important place for both sides to capture, protect, however you want to look at it. As soon as I saw that, I told him, I said, and, and nothing was going on in Dnepropetrovsk yet. Russian forces were not there. Uh, I told him, you really need to go. Like based on, on what it looks like, if Russians come in, you're pretty much going to be in the middle of everything. Um, so he packed up and he left the next morning and he went over to his sister who lives about 100 kilometers west in a smaller town, smaller village. So he's there now. Uh, 
a day or two later, he sent me a message saying, you were right. There was a diversion to blow up the bridge, but luckily it didn't work. If he stayed, he would be right in the center of it all. Um, and of course, we did the same thing with others. We looked up their addresses to see where they are. You know, you don't want to be in a large city, you don't, because that's where they just bombed the most. And so we kind of navigated our people to move to smaller places, get out of the larger cities, especially cities that are cl closer to the Russian border. Um, based on what we see with Russian uh, machinery, tanks and, and, and vehicles, um, they're slow moving. It looks like they're only covering maybe 30 miles a day. So the moment you get, they get within 60, 70 miles, you know that it's it's a matter of day or two before they get to, to wherever our people are. So we could ask them to move based on that. Um, so yeah, those are some of the, obviously, you know, whoever needed money sooner, we sent the money and assured everybody that they're still going to get paid, even though they're not working, that their jobs are safe. They have nothing to worry about because the last thing I want them to worry about is the fact, you know, whether they're going to get paid or whether they're going to have a job after all of this. And they have other things to be concerned with. Uh, yeah. So those are the few things we did to help them. And let's take a quick break. Good morning, HR. It's brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Recert Credits. Then select episode 37 and enter the keyword Ukraine. That's U-K-R-A-I-N-E. And now back to my conversation with Vladimir Gendelman. So, I mean, you know, the Russian-Ukrainian border since 2014 has been a hot spot. Um, what, uh, as as you know, has after you got your folks out of uh, out of uh, Donetsk and and were you just kind of saying, okay, well, this is relaxed now, or or did your business continuity planning and, and protecting, you know, cons, you know, the considerations around protecting your people, did those continue or, or, you know, I wouldn't even know where to start to get the right information, uh, you know, that was reliable as far as who, you know, what risks are there? Where do you get that information? You know, what is that, what is that ongoing preparation and planning look like? Well, there was no preparation and planning because it was a fluke just was a one-time thing and now it's settled you know russia wants nothing but that region they're in Kharkiv. they're safe um you know think about the fact that nobody believed that russia will attack ukraine up until the moment they attacked even when putin brought all the troops to the border people were still thinking that oh he's just you know flexing his muscles nothing's gonna happen but, um, yeah, because of that, there really was no uh, planning or preparation for that because I mean, not only that people didn't think that he will attack, nobody thought that if he was to attack, it would even 
be anything remote to what it is now. And and so it wasn't just the U.S. and European leaders that were caught uh, by surprise by by Russia's invasion. Even even uh, your friends and teammates in uh, in Ukraine were surprised that it really happened. Yes, absolutely. Oh wow, absolutely. Um, so now that they relocated temporarily to wherever they are. Are they even able to do any work at this point? Uh, is that, you know, I mean, is the technology available, but much less, are they even mentally and emotionally capable of, of, of producing anything for you? So technology is available. I would even say maybe ironically, because internet does work and that's how we communicate via different apps. Um, it might not be as fast as it was before, but, you know, thank God for Elon Musk, who sent um, Starlink. But, uh, yeah, they're all different. Some work, some do not. The ones that do work, they don't work the way they did before. Um, because mentally, they might not be there. But I think for some of them, working brings a bit of normalcy to their life and kind of keeps them gives them a feeling of stability. Um, others don't work and, and just try to figure out what to do, what to do, what to do. And your, 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 your employees who were able, uh, how many of them were able to leave Ukraine? Two. Just two. One and, is where, and what's their status now? Are they, I mean, are there refugee camps in Poland or are they staying with friends or how does that work? So the guy who's in Poland, his sister actually lives there. So when he went there, he went to stay with her and he is looking to get his own apartment of some sort, just to kind of make it easier. Um, the guy who went to Prague, right? So they just got there. They just got there Saturday because they, they went through Moldova border, through Slovakia and like all these countries. Um, and they ended up in Prague. They actually lived there briefly a few years ago and then came back to Ukraine. So they went to the same space where they were, and they're currently staying with somebody they know. But I talked to him today and he said that they feel that they are kind of imposing on them and, um, you know, it causes discomfort. So they're in the process of finding their own apartment to stay in. Yeah. Um, certainly nobody wants to be a refugee, but, uh, and uh, you know, for for you know, it just um, you know, I, I guess the the reality of at least having friends or family to go to escape to uh, is uh, is some small comfort uh, to at least have a you know a place they could go. Yeah, uh, you mentioned y'all were using Slack and Messenger. Uh, what how often do, are you able to touch base with your team and what does that communication look like? Anytime. Um, I call 
sometimes we send messages back and forth if it's quicker question, like is everything all right kind of a deal. Um, and periodically I call him to get more detail, to, to understand what's going on, to check in, to see how they're doing mentally. Um, you know, moral support is also important. Uh, conversations about, you know, like even sometimes commiserating and like, yeah, it sucks. I can't believe what you're going through at different times. Maybe talk about, yeah, so this thing will be over and, you know, we'll be able to do this great thing and that great thing, right? Because the hope is also a very important part of our psyche. So you and I are both members of the global association called Entrepreneurs Organization. And EO's Poland and Berlin chapters uh, have mobilized EO members worldwide to help raise money uh, for Ukrainian refugees. And so far, we've, they've raised over $200,000 just through EO members. And, that number, that, and it's only been up for a short period of time. And I'm sure it'll be a lot more. Uh, and I've even seen on social media where people are renting Airbnbs from Ukrainians with no intent of going and using the, you know, the Airbnb, but just to put money in people's hands. Mm -hmm. um, but as, as business leaders who have team members, contractors, employees in Ukraine, what are things that they can do to support those employees needs right now? Talk to the employees and truly, if, if they truly want to help them, just understand what they need help with. With some people, it might be strictly moral support. With some people, it might be reassurance that they're fine with their job, no matter what's going on. With some other people, they might need money. Somebody else might need some kind of supplies. It's different. Different people have different needs. They have different situations. And it's, it's really about really talking to them. To really say, hey, look, I'm here for you, any capacity, what will be the most impactful? That goes back to what you said earlier about not having just a one-size-fits-all policy and rather just understanding what the needs are yeah. and figuring out how you can meet those needs. Yeah. Um, as, as this continues, I mean, I'm afraid this is going to be much like COVID. We thought it would be over in three or four weeks and... Uh, we'd be back to our normal lives soon. What are you seeing longer term? What do you, you know, what are you planning for uh, with, you know, for you and 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 your team uh, as this, you know, goes on however long it does? Once again, it's it's the perspective is important. Am I losing money? Yes. Am I losing an opportunity cost of not developing future website updates? Yes. Am I losing other things? Yes. Does it matter? Considering that I'm waking up in my own home that has windows, that's warm. I have food in the refrigerator. I don't have to run to the bomb shelter. My kids happily go to school every day. Does it matter that I lose some things? No, it doesn't. Because there are people of mine where my responsibility, as far as I'm concerned, are suffering right now. They, they're misplaced. They have nothing but few belongings that they were able to, to put in a suitcase. 
and I'm just committed to doing whatever we got to do to to get them through this and and come out winners. Um, as far as you know, from the work perspective, with this whole remote concept, as long as they have a computer and a desk, they can work anywhere. So that's kind of irrelevant. And and you had you know, it's we've all learned in the last couple of years, and I guess you knew long before that how well people could work remotely. Oh yeah. And um, so, any other any other thing you would want business leaders to be aware of before we wrap up our conversation? Yeah, the the, the biggest thing is I don't see this conflict as you know Russia, Ukraine, Russian people, Ukrainian people. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it has to do with Putin pushing his agenda. There is a lot of propaganda going on on the side of Russia talking about, you know, that they're liberating Russians in Ukraine and, and, and all those beautiful things. And, and because they don't see, they completely cut out the news from other sides. So people don't have access to any other information. And because of that, a lot of people in Russia believe that what Putin is doing is right. But once again, it's not because they truly believe that it, it's just all the info they have. Um, and at the same time, people on the Ukrainian side, they, they're, some are dead, a lot of them are injured, displaced, their houses are gone, their family members are gone, pets are gone, cars destroyed, cities destroyed, and people are suffering. A lot of them are hungry, a lot of them are cold. And the message I want to get out is that please find it in your heart to help Ukraine. There are plenty of organizations out there that take donations, and then they buy the supplies with those donations and um, help with all sorts of humanitarian uh, supplies, personal hygiene items, and so on and so forth, which is extremely important right now. Um, and the more the more we can send there, the better off they are. Um, if somebody doesn't know what to do or where to go, email me, vladimir at companyfolders.com, and I'll be more than happy to, to give them options of what could be done, including supporting a chapter in Poland, uh, in Berlin, to, to send money there. Because So I participate in that also. We get lists of um, different supplies that people need in Ukraine, and then we raise money here, send it to uh, the guys in Poland and Berlin, and they go buy the supplies, they bring it to the border, and then there are volunteers who take it from the border to wherever it needs to go. And I'll definitely, I'll put your email and uh, the link to the uh, uh, EO Poland and Berlin uh, yeah. website uh, in the show notes uh, and on the website and social media as well. Um, well, thank you. Uh, I, I know because of, of your you know, relatively high profile in, uh, in your community up there in Michigan and, and in EO, you, you've, uh, you've, been really busy getting the word out on how to help and so thank you for that and uh my very best wishes for for your team and uh and for all of ukraine thank you thank for you mike of course thank you and thank you for giving me an opportunity to to get the message out and thank you for listening you can find previous episodes show notes and contact info for our guest at goodmorninghr.com or on facebook instagram or youtube and don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and I'm Mike Coffey. 
As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up.